Welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. As always, the music that you are hearing is from my good buddy, Ryan Allwart. Super grateful for him letting us use this music every week for the show. All right, I know I say this a lot, but I truly am incredibly excited about this week's show. If you know anything about me, you know that I am a huge St. Louis Cardinals fan. And this week, my guest is former St. Louis Cardinal World Series champion Matt Holliday. Matt is truly an awesome guy. He is an athlete who has been very vocal about his Christian faith. And after playing 15 years in the major leagues, he and his wife Leslie now have a podcast called Table 40, which runs on the Sports Spectrum Podcast Network. And it's just an awesome platform for him and his wife to be able to share their faith and have other athletes and other people kind of in the sports world on their show to talk about faith. Very similar to this show, actually, um, but a lot of athletes and a kind of a more sports-centered show. But I was incredibly excited to get to talk to Matt just about his playing career, how his faith impacted him as an athlete, and kind of what he's been up to since he stopped playing baseball and this new venture of his podcasting and using that platform to reach people for the gospel. And so just a really awesome conversation, and he's just a really down-to-earth guy. And I obviously was incredibly excited to talk to him about, about baseball, but I hope you guys will stick around for the talk about faith and what his life has been like since he has stopped playing baseball. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with former major leaguer, current podcaster, Matt Holliday. Well, I am delighted to be joined by seven-time All-Star, World Series champion, 2007 NLCS MVP, Matt Holliday. Matt, how are you doing, man? How are you? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, I was telling you a little bit before the show, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Cardinals fan, so this is a real treat for me just to get to talk to you. Um, and Obviously, I followed your playing career, but I'm also incredibly interested in you know what you've been doing since you have stopped playing with your podcast with your wife, which we'll get into that here in a little bit. But uh, just personally for you, what has this year been like? I know it's been a crazy year for everybody, and you guys launched your podcast, which has kind of been you know a nice uh, nice thing to fill the void of not really having a lot of sports, and you've been talking to a lot of athletes and that kind of thing. But just as a as a person, what's 2020 been like for you? Well, I think for everybody, you know. We're no different in that, you know, it's kind of strange in that um, I was, I've been coaching. So uh, my brother's the head coach at Oklahoma State, and um, I took the volunteer job, which is, it sounds like volunteer, but you're a real coach. Right, right. <laughs> I just don't make any money. <laughs> um, but um, so, you know, I was kind of getting into our first year of, of, uh, of coaching, and um, we had played, I think, about 15 or 18 games. Um, we were doing pretty well, kind of getting into the heart of the season when this when this whole thing hit. Um, so that was that was kind of disappointing. I think at the start you don't really know what you know. We literally went from uh, Fresno State was on their way to Stillwater to play us in a series. Uh, to they were I think they were in Las Vegas connecting it uh, in, in Vegas. To they sent them back to two days later. We're sending our kids home um, to basically everything in the university shut down, put on stop. We're not allowed to coach or do anything. So just kind of, I guess the strangeness of how fast that happened. And then I guess 
you think, well, this, this won't last too long, you know, typically viruses and, and, you know, we've had other things that have come up that have stopped the world a little bit and they go away pretty quick. And, and, uh, so here we are, uh, you know, in August and we don't seem to be a whole lot in a different space. I think we've learned more about the virus, which I think is positive and hopefully we're closer to a vaccine of some sort, but, um, it's been a strange year. You know, I think, you can take some of the good parts about it. I've got to spend a lot of time with my kids. Um, my two older boys are playing travel baseball, which has picked up that I think about the last two months we've been playing travel baseball. So that's been, that's been good to get outside and, and see real baseball. And, and um, so it's, it's been good. I think in the fact that, you know, my, my oldest is 16 and is going to be leaving the house in a couple of years. And uh, I've got to spend a lot of really good time with him and getting in the weight room and getting him stronger and, trying to help him reach his goals and, and spend time with the kids. And uh, Leslie and I have, like you said, have, have started a podcast. So that's been a nice uh, thing for us to do together. And, and we've got to talk to a lot of cool, cool people with really good stories. And um, it actually kind of happened. She felt like that PAO is a, is a ministry that we're involved in at Pro Athlete Outreach uh, that she was selling that, hey, the, the, the ministry should start a, a podcast. And they said, okay, great, go ahead and do that. And she said, wait, no, I had the good idea. And, and they said, no, 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 go ahead. You and, you know, and then she's like, hey, you're doing this with me. And so uh, we're very amateur. Uh, ours is not very professional, um, but I think we're getting better. And we've, thankfully, I've, I've made a lot of cool friends over the years that know a lot of cool people. And so we've been able to get some good guests that, that make it easy. We're basically you just kind of ask a decent question and they can run with it. Exactly. Um, so it's been fun. Uh, it's been, um, like I said, 2020, I think for everybody is, is very weird and, and strange, but I think um, you, you, as a Christian, you always try to find, um, you know, what God is maybe teaching me in this time or, or what are some really cool um, experiences or positives uh, that we've gotten out of this. And I think there's plenty of those, um, but I would like, uh, this thing to go away so that we can do some, some of the things that we were used yeah. to doing before. Yeah. It was funny. You know, in April, I, I did a whole series where I talked to athletes whose seasons or even careers were interrupted or even, um, impacted or, or ended by this virus. And I talked to a girl, she's a softball player at, at Oklahoma actually. And she was talking about it from the, from the player's perspective about what it was like for their season to be cut short. And she was a senior and thankfully for the senior spring athletes, they were granted another year of, of eligibility. But at the time she, she didn't know if she was going to get to play. So, so as a coach, you know, what, what did you kind of try to do during that season when you knew your players were, were really feeling down and dejected, especially your seniors who maybe thought, this might be the last time I get a chance to play, or maybe you had some guys that were potentially going to go into the draft this year and this season was going to be really important. You know, what was that like for you as a coach and how did you coach your players through that season? Well, you know, I think for us, we were just kind of trying to figure it out. You know, trying to figure out as an, as the adult in the room, how do we handle this? And, and, you know, for so long, we didn't really know what to sell or tell them or, mm -hmm. you know, like, Hey, you know, Thankfully, our AD has said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll give you the money. In baseball, you know, we only have 11.7 scholarships. And so it's money's, money's tight for baseball scholarships. And so, um, you know, when the NCAA has allowed us to give the seniors, you know, whatever scholarship they were on last year, and uh, our AD said they would honor those, those numbers, which, you know, I think Wisconsin and maybe some other places um, basically told their seniors that they weren't going to pay that money. Um, 
so we're lucky we have an ad that that said yeah we'll do that so um i the good thing is is as our seniors are are coming back which i think is good for us uh all good leaders good kids um and i think i think there's five of them um so that'll be good we'll have a, an older group that to come back and help the younger guys um but it does kind of it created kind of a log jam right so we have all these players and you kind of plan your 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 cycling through of players um, to to you know when these guys move on, you have younger guys to step in, and so it has created a bit of a sticky situation for us as far as roster management. Uh, my brother's really good at that and and kind of making that all work. But uh, I think college baseball you'll see in the next couple of years there's going to be a lot of transferring. There's going to be a lot of yeah. movement. I think the game is going to be really good. They only drafted five rounds this year. Um, and so I think the quality and the talent level in college baseball over the next two to three years is going to be better than it's ever been. And even kind of pushed down into the junior college ranks, I think yeah. you're going to see really good junior college baseball. So we tried to handle it as honestly and as transparently as possible about what we were hearing. Um, but again, we were kind of left in the dark, just guessing as well. And, and, um, and so once we found out, I think that, that the kids were going to have an opportunity to come back um that everybody was pretty happy with that the kids you know seem to be able to kind of uh get a new sense of excitement uh, we're moving into a new, brand new baseball stadium uh coming oh, wow. we we're supposed to we were a week away from moving into a 75 million dollar stadium wow. that we didn't quite get to um so we have that kind of excitement coming back that the kids are really pumped about uh the college uh summer league some of them have gotten to play most of our guys that wanted to play summer baseball have gotten some sort of summer, which I think has allowed them to, to kind of feel some sort of normalcy with baseball. So that's been good because they missed on 40, 50 games uh, in the spring. Uh, this fall is going to be very important for us. So far, we're, we feel like we're going to have a pretty normal uh, fall baseball schedule. Obviously, we'll have lots of testing and protocol. But as far as practice goes, we're feeling pretty good about uh, getting a normal set of practices and, and things. So I think the kids are excited about that. Um, I think they're obviously college kids and even high school kids are, are much more resilient and, and, and positive maybe than us older people about all, everything. So um, we're looking forward to having them back on campus, which will be soon. And, yeah. uh, and hopefully we can talk them into being very disciplined um, with, with their time and, and how they treat this. Because if everybody does what they're supposed to, I think it'll work. And it, all it takes, as we've seen in Major League Baseball, is it for one guy to kind of go outside of protocol and and, and run into the wrong person. And the next thing you know, you know, you got 15 top positive tests, which I think if, if something like that happens, you know, it's at, at some point, uh, you know, we could have the potential to be, get, get some bad news. So yeah. um, I think in general, the, the boys are in, in good spirits. And, and hopefully, like I said, um, I'm hoping, uh, praying that, that there's a, you know, a vaccine soon. And, you know, these kids will get the, the experience that they deserve. Yeah, the, the summer has just been so weird to not have the typical sports that we normally have. You know, we didn't get to watch the NCAA tournament, the Masters, baseball season, NBA playoffs didn't happen when they're supposed to. And granted, we have the NBA and Major League Baseball back, it, albeit a weird fashion. We at least have the sport back, but it has been weird to watch. And it's funny because I do a weekly newsletter and I wrote one right after the first weekend of baseball. And it was kind of like, hey, we finally have a sense of normalcy back, like to me, I'm using this as a sign that like God's saying, you know, like we're going to get through this. 
And then it wasn't two days later that the Marlins issue came yeah. down and like half their team got the virus. They had to shut down. And obviously at the time that we're talking about this, you know, the Cardinals are dealing with the same thing and who yeah. knows week to week how, how much this is going to affect it. But just as a baseball fan, and I'm sure you're still connected with old teammates and, and guys in the game, you know, just from your perspective as a former major leaguer, what has it been like to watch this baseball season play out where there are no fans and it's just been such a weird season. It's a 60 game season. You don't really know how to, um, you know, put the stats into context. Just what's been your outlook on this season so far? Yeah. It's, I think you almost just treat it like an outlier. You know, it's almost like a college season with 60 games. I, I mean, um, it's weird. I think for me, it's really strange watching games that matter with no fans in the stands. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure uh, because in my experience, there's a lot of times that you rely heavily on the adrenaline of the crowd and the atmosphere uh, to help kind of give you that extra boost of energy and, and adrenaline uh, that's provided when the game matters and the crowd is excited and tense. Um, like right now, you know, you watch the Phillies and Yankees and they show a back <laughs> view and there's no fans. It feels like a scrimmage. Yeah. Uh, and and I guess maybe when it's taken away, I, like I said, I can't speak because I don't play now. And maybe the players are feeling uh, excitement and adrenaline, um, maybe that they're getting because they, they didn't have it for three months. Yeah. Um, but it's just so strange. And I, at first, I thought the cardboard cutouts were kind of silly, <laughs> but now visually, I like yeah. it because I'm. I it looks more like what I'm used to seeing. Right. Um, but I can't imagine being a player and playing in a super quiet kind of atmosphere uh, where games matter. And, and I think, you know, people talk about, well, what's the World Series going to have an asterisk? I don't think so. I mean, it's 60 games. It's still – you're going to have to work your way through the playoffs. And whether you treat it differently than a normal season, whatever, that's fine. But um, I'm excited that these games matter and that, yeah. that hopefully, uh, you know, we've learned our lesson with guys going outside of protocol – and what that can do to a whole team right? and that we can keep this, you know, maybe guys have, have, have realized um, that I have a responsibility to the whole game, um, to the whole, you know, MLB um, and that, you know, we can get all the way through the playoffs without another Marlins situation. So um, I'm glad to have basketball back on and something to watch at night because, you know, for a long time, you're just watching reruns or, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's only so many Netflix shows you can watch before, yeah. you know, I love to watch sports. I still love, you know, to watch baseball and basketball. So, yeah, um, I'll take what we've gotten, but it definitely is strange. I wouldn't normally watch the entire NFL draft from start to finish, but this yeah. year I did because there was nothing else to watch. So I watched it, it like all the, the way. First live sporting deal, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, the, the basketball tournament where that, that one that's like the $1 million winner take all, I kind of watched a little bit of that because yeah. it was like, hey, there's some competitive basketball going on. So we at least got that. And I'm, I'm just glad to have baseball back because baseball is my favorite sport to watch. Um, and, and just, you know, I play fantasy baseball. So just that daily, like being able to check all the guys and follow the stats, I've missed that. I didn't realize yeah. how much I missed it until it finally came back. Yeah, I was doing quick pitch tonight, like where I come home like late at night and I want to catch all the highlights. I like, I'm so glad the quick pitch is on. I oh mean, yeah. Missed that show where you can kind of catch all the highlights of all the games and in 45 minutes, I'm, you know, I caught up on what's going on. Yeah. So we'll go back to a time when there were fans in the stands for baseball games. I can't interview you without talking about 2011. Cause for me, I was a senior in college and that was the absolute best sporting event, the game, game six, game seven, 
the best sporting event that I can ever remember watching. And just like the, as a, as a Cardinals fan, the feeling of watching that comeback and David Freeze's home run, and even, even the triple and everything else in between, you know, I, I, as a fan, it felt one thing I can't imagine as a player. I mean, just what was your, I know you got hurt in the game, actually, you're diving back to third base and got hurt. Um, but that whole swing of emotions between, you know, game six and game seven, when you reflect on that, you know, what, what are some emotions and feelings that, st- that stand out from that? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the one thing when people ask me about 2011, I, I think the, um, the relationships and kind of that team and a lot of the guys that were on that team were some of my closest friends. And, and just to, to be able to experience that kind of highs and lows of a regular season, what happened, which happened over 162 games and, you know, Wayno get got hurt. Uh, in spring training, uh, our ace pitcher basically goes down in the spring training for the whole season and kind of the, the downward kind of emotion of that. And then to be able to kind of rebound and, and we had some ups and downs that season. We had a really talented team. Uh, we were ha- had a hard time putting things together. We would have kind of periods where I thought our hitting was doing really well, but our pitching wasn't going well. Or, you know, we just, we just didn't kind of mesh it all together until the end of the season really and and kind of that run and then the game carpenter pitched against roy halliday really jumps out yeah. in my mind um being a really good phillies team um and then beating a, a a divisional rival with the brewers and the nlcs and then running into a really talented rangers team um who i think they had been in the world series the year before as well yeah. and um I guess just the highs and lows of, of the emotions of a world series and, and how that all goes down. And, um, and in game six, no, no different. You're down to your last strike, you know, a couple different times and, and, uh, David's huge triple, um, Lance's huge base hit. Uh, and then, you know, once you win game six, you still have to win another game, which it felt like we had won the world series in game six. And maybe to some degree we had, because I think the Rangers had emotionally, uh, that was a huge kick to the the stomach. Yeah. Um, so maybe we had won it, but you still have to kind of come back and win game seven and Carp's back on the mound. And um, I think they even got a, an early lead, if I remember re- correctly. And and we David hits another, you know, kind of takes it right back from him. So yeah. Um, the 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 culmination of a of a long season, spring training, all the way through the season, to to get to the pinnacle of winning the World Series with a lot of your greatest friends was awesome. You yeah. know, it's just, it's just one of those things as, as a player, uh, as a kid, you dream about being a world champion and getting to play for an organization like the Cardinals and, and with your buddies and um, guys that you, you feel like are almost like family. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those feelings, you know, and, and I, I have my ring in, in the drawer, um, but it's the memories and the experiences and uh, texting with guys and saying, hey, remember we won the World Series? That was awesome. You know, just yeah. – the, the experiences and the, and the stories and the funny things that happen in the bus and on the plane and all those things are really what jumped to the front when, yeah. you, when you think about it. So yeah, um, 2011 obviously is one of, you know, a special year, special moment um, and, and something, you know, that, that I love to, to talk about. You guys were down. It was like 12 and a half games, I think at maybe late August that year. And I know for me as a fan, the moment that I felt like that, that miraculous run was really going to happen, it was a game where Carlos Marmol threw a wild pitch and Adrian Chambers scored to win the game. And it was kind of like, oh, my goodness, they're going to come back and win this or get into the playoffs. 
for a player, I mean, when, when was the moment when you guys knew, hey, we're actually doing this thing? So I'm probably a little more pessimistic than most. My, you know, you always have got this kind of back of your mind, like, you know, you just got to keep pressing forward. Like you just focus on the next moment. And I think part of that came from Tony. Um, Tony was such a, um, you know, push, push the envelope, push it forward, push it forward, push it forward, control what you can control, control this moment. Um, don't look back, don't look forward, just be present, play the game. Um, and so until it actually happens, especially in a season like that, where you come back um, from such a, such a big deficit, uh, you try to build on that momentum, but at the same time, you know that your work um, is not finished and that it's going to be still a very big challenge. Um, so I guess, you know, that, that game in Houston where we win and we're waiting for the Braves and, and, and uh, I think Phillies, right? Or Yeah, I think it's – yeah, Braves and Phillies, I think. Um, I, think Freddie anyways, Freeman, I think Freddie Freeman grounded out. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so, you know, you're – you're waiting um, in the clubhouse. And I guess, you know, until that last out's made and, and you've got at least a chance, you know, and, and so um, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things as an athlete, you just, I don't know, I guess you just kind of wait till it actually finishes that there's uh, work to be done and yeah. you're constantly pushing forward. Yeah. You know, and your faith has guided you for, throughout your career. Where, where did, I guess, what was your, What's your faith background and where, you know, where did that, that upbringing come from? Did, were you always kind of raised in church or, you know, where did your faith come from and how did that guide you throughout your career? Cause I know for a lot of competitive athletes, sometimes it's hard, you know, to, to balance that competitive nature with, you know, trying to, to still um, treat people, not, not to necessarily treat people bad, but you know, it's when you get competitive, pretty competitive. And so how did you, uh, how did you balance when, when you got into your career or having a lot of success and it was competitive, you know, how did you balance your faith with all of that? Yeah. So, you know, sort of the, in a, in a quick capsule, I wasn't really raised in the church. My dad's a baseball coach, still is coaching baseball. Um, and so college baseball, they play on Sunday. And so we didn't really go to church much um, growing up. My dad was raised in a Catholic school um, he was raised in kind of an old school Catholic school where yeah. the nuns literally used to paddle them. <laughs> uh, I don't think it was a great experience. I don't think he had the greatest, uh, experience with, with, uh, with Catholic school. Um, so he didn't really push that on us. Um, and so I always felt the presence of God. Um, I didn't really know about Jesus. I didn't really know the Bible, yeah. which I think for a while, at least in my young adult life, I, I was always a little bit kind of embarrassed with the lack of knowledge I had. Um, so when I got into the minor leagues, I had a couple older mentor teammates um, that were Christians that were married. Um, and Leslie and I, my wife, were kind of getting close to the point where we, we thought we wanted to get married. And, and so they were really good role models of what uh, a Christian looked like, a Christian marriage looked like, a good example. And so really, I just kind of snuggled up next to them and like, basically they discipled me about, you know, what it looks like to be a Christian and that you don't have to be embarrassed of not having knowledge of the Bible and you start reading it. And basically um, just this comfort level of, of what Christianity really was, um, I guess was probably around 20, 20 years old, 21 years old, maybe. Um, and so my wife was kind of raised in church and was kind of still, you know, kind of, you know, in college and kind of just, um, I think 
she, you know, again, similar to me, believed God was real, but wasn't pursuing our relationship with Jesus. Um, and so we were kind of equally yoked about where we were and we got married young. She was 21 and I was 20. Um, and we kind of grew together and basically we God has placed a lot of, uh, pastors, chaplains, teammates. Um, when you look back of all the people that were kind of placed in your life and you had the opportunity to kind of go up under and, and be mentored by, um, we had a lot of great, uh, experiences, um, you know, with people that like Matt Chandler and before he was, you know, I went to a men's retreat and he was there and really wasn't the Matt Chandler that everybody or most Christians know about. He was kind of a young guy coming up and, you know, just got a chance to spend three, four days with him. And then yeah. um, a lot of other people too. And so um, that's kind of how, how I became a Christian. And, and it wasn't really a one moment thing for me. It was kind of a, it was kind of a gradual understanding of who Jesus was and um, trusting the, my life with him. And, and then, you know, the second part of, of, of playing in the major leagues as a Christian athlete and, and it, it's hard. Like I, I don't want to pretend that I did it perfectly. I, I didn't. Um, but I think, you know, always having the perspective, the one good thing about baseball or one, one of the good things about baseball is, is there's those that are humble and those that are about to be because it's very difficult yeah. um, as far as, you know, just the performance aspect of it. Uh, you, 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 you do well three out of 10 times and you're doing great. You know, yeah. there's tons of failure involved. Um, and so I never really str struggle with the humility aspect of it because <laughs> it could change, you know, you're, you're, you ride the highs and lows of, of, of I guess, positive results are so fleeting and, and hitting in, in baseball. So, um, but it is, you know, I think the competitive spirit of it, uh, I tell people all the time, like the sort of the, the, I guess, reputation of the soft Christian, um, some of the, the meanest sort of toughest competitors that I played with were Christians, you know, yeah. and strong in their faith. And um, I, I don't think being a Christian means you're soft. I think that that means you, you know, you, 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 you definitely don't, maybe you look at things maybe a little bit different or a lot different from a, of a big picture. Um, but it doesn't mean that I can't go out there and, and work my, my tail off to, to do the best that I can with the ability that God gave me and compete my, my heart out and, and, and have relationships with guys and, and, and still do all that stuff. Um, but also be a competitor. And so I think the, the, the knock that, you know, Christians are soft or, you know, you can't be a, a, a bad man on the, on the, on the athletic stage is, is so, so not true. Yeah. Um, Adam Wainwright's one of the most gentle, uh, humble, nicest guys away from the field, but you put him in between those lines and he's a warrior. Like he's yeah. a, he's a super, you know, competitor. And the day he pitches, like he's very locked in. And, and, um, and I think that that's, that's what the way God would have it. And so, yeah. um, even if you read the Bible, especially the old Testament, I mean, there's, it's like a, it's like a, you know, a scene out of the gladiators. I mean, that's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty gory and pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, I hope that actually your question. I, oh I yeah. Try to cover, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the the one thing that I always tried to do was to treat people that couldn't do anything for me. Um, you know, from the clubhouse guys to the media relation guy, to the video guy, to the, all the people that you do life with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
um, I think that you can, you can have an impact on those people um, by treating them with love and respect yeah. that maybe if, if you're an athlete and you think in a lot of yourself that sometimes you don't even notice those people. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think that there's, you definitely live your life in a different way, but I think you can compete like a, like a very, very hard nosed competitor. When you think back to your career, what was maybe, I guess, the, the hardest part of your career where you had to rely on God the most? Well, I mean, we all have, you know, you, if you play long enough, you're going to have failures. You're going to have moments that are, that are not good, not ideal. You know, I missed the ball in L.A. in a playoff game. We ended up losing the game. Um, got caught in the lights, didn't see it. Uh, it was a big moment, didn't catch it. Um, that was hard. It's hard, you know, because you, there's no one to blame but you. And and they had white rally towels. we got to blame them for yeah. that, too. Well, <laughs> you, know, you know, people say always blame them. I, it was actually a light because if the light's in Dodger Stadium, if you're playing deep and the ball is – if you're coming in, especially at that time of night, the yeah. lights are right. It, anyways, it doesn't matter. But that was hard. That was, yeah. that was a hard moment for me to stand in front of the media and answer questions. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically we lost. And, and you know, it could have been different. And so, you know, that's hard. That's, you know, that's, that's stuff where you either show that you're a man and stand up to it and answer the questions and move on, you know, or you can fold underneath the kind of the pressure and the big moment of it. And so trusting God in those, in those moments. And then uh, in 2017, you know, in, in New York, um, I had a really good kind of first half and then I got sick and um, it, it cost me about, um, I, I would say it probably cost me a year or two of my career. Um, just because uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. Um, ended up, they ended up treating me for the wrong things, uh, which caused bad side effects. And uh, basically had a really difficult year to almost two years of trying to get a hold of this mercury, toxic, uh, leaky gut situation. And um, they ended up putting me on some medicine that caused other symptoms. And so I had about you know, between 2017 and, and when I came back in 18 and played the last six weeks with the Rockies and um, I had a really, really bad struggle with my health and, and figuring out what was wrong with me and a lot of dark moments uh, with just trying to come to grips with, uh, you know, is my career over? Am I ever going to be healthy again? Um, is anybody going to figure out what's going on? Um, where's God in this? Um, why is he not healing me? Uh, you know, some really, really hard moments of, um, you know, where you self-examine, you look at yourself and, and I guess, um, I guess you, you really test your faith. Like, what do you really believe and where do you really stand and what is it really important to you? And, you know, is God enough, you know, without everything else that, you know, I, I it basically got stripped down to the, to the, to the roots, you know, basically baseball gone, health gone, um, difficulty, you know, blocking in and being a dad difficulty being locking in and being a husband cause just was sick and, and mine wasn't right. Um, and so it was, it was, a like I said, it was a, it was a really, a, a growing trying to figure out who you are type of situation. So, um, that's something I haven't really talked about much just because it's hard to talk about, but I had about a two year run where, um, 
yeah, it was pretty dark, dark, dark as in that I had some really physiological symptoms that were caused by uh, some things that happened to me from, I don't know if people know about, um, you know, heavy metal burdens, but it messes with your brain. Um, It's, it's pretty nasty, you know, stuff. And it it does some really bad things to you. Um, So yeah, all that to say is that um, basically God stripped me down to the studs and, and uh, hopefully, (laughs) you know, I've responded in a, in a, God honoring way and, and can, you know, have an impact and be able to help people maybe that come behind me with a similar situation. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew you had that illness. I didn't, I don't remember. I don't think I remembered exactly what that was. So that's, that's yeah, I, I kept it on the, you know, I, I didn't want it to be, it's one of those things for a long time. I couldn't even talk about it really yeah. because of the, the, the PTSD that came with it. Um, yeah. So for a long time, I didn't really, um, I didn't really tell anybody and I didn't really want to want it out there. And, and so anyways, so I, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place with it. And, and, um, uh, but it was, it was really hard, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've kind of moved on in your post-playing career, you and your wife have a, a podcast that I think serves as a, it as it does serve as a ministry and it's a way for you to share your story and, you know, kind of my favorite part of doing a podcast is getting to have people like you on and get, allow them to share their story. And, and you've had athletes and other people on your, on your podcast. And uh, what's been the most rewarding thing for you and your wife about that show? Well, I think the, the part of it where we get to do it together and it's something we're doing together and preparing and, and trying to uh, make sure that we're prepared for the, the show. And, and I think, you know, like you said, like getting to talk to people and, and getting, um, I guess just people to share their stories in, in, in a, and in a, in a setting where they, they can really be themselves with their faith or, you know, whatever they want their message to be. Um, I think it's been cool. And I don't know how you track how many people are listening. So I don't, I hear it's doing okay. And you know, the people, some people listen to it, but um, really it's been cool for Leslie and I to get to do together and to kind of dive in and trying to find, um, you know, guests that, that are interesting and kind of different, you know, from anywhere from Ben Roethlisberger to, uh, you know, a, a kid that's went to DBU that's in ministry to today we, inter- you know, we did an author um, to, you know, just trying to, trying to give people, I don't know, just something interesting to listen to about Jesus and, you know, maybe what people are, uh, make them tick, you know, or, or uh, you know, impact in the world or, you know, wherever their heart is, Matt Forte talking about social justice, mm-hmm. um, Mike Boynton, the basketball coach at Oklahoma State talking about social justice and some of the things, the world that's going on and how, how we as white people can, can have a, a, a make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, guys like Nolan Arenado talking to kids about the pressure of being a young athlete and feeling like you have to go to all these travel baseball tournaments and your ranking and all that stuff, which, you know, people, you know, kids are struggling with or, or dealing with at a younger age. So I guess just, you know, kind of giving a voice to, to people. I mean, they all have platforms that they can use, but you know, we try to ask some good questions or some interesting questions and then let them just kind of talk about what they want to talk about. Yeah. Like the Jack Flaherty episode I remember was really, really good. I wrote a, a little summary on that for sports spectrum and it was cool just because, you know, he spoke so eloquently about social justice issues. He opened up about 
his feelings on Tyler Skaggs death and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, if you're into, if you're into sports, I mean, you're guy, and you know, you talk to authors and stuff as well, but you know, you guys bring in a lot of really well-known sports figures who I think people would, would be interested in. So table 40, wherever you get podcasts, uh, check that out. But yeah, how did you, you kind of mentioned earlier about how you and your wife had that idea, but you know, she kind of roped you into it and, uh, it's, I'm sure it's been, been kind of an adjustment, something new for you to, to interview people and all that, but you know, has it, has it been fun? And what have you learned kind of about, uh, I guess the, the journalistic side of sports that you were on the other side of as an athlete? Well, I guess you appreciate that it's not that easy. You know, I think, um, I, I guess, you know, like people that I, I think about, like that I really love to listen to like Jim Rome and some of these interviewers over the years that you listen to and how they interview. And, and so I guess you, you go into it, like at least for us, we go into it with kind of a script of kind of how we think it's going to go. Mm-hmm. But I, I've, I've learned or, or I'm trying to learn that just, just treat it as a conversation where if they say something that sparks another question that, that didn't really fit the script to go ahead and, and enter into, um, you know, something that I think might be interesting off of that answer, yeah. you know, I think the audience might find interesting. So yeah. um, I guess, you know, from a technical standpoint, it's, it's not as easy as maybe you, you think it's going to be um, asking questions and having a flow with your other, my wife in this case, uh, the other person asking questions and, um, but yeah, we, we called it table 40 basically because we wanted it to feel like a conversation right. and that it wasn't, we're not professional interviewers. We have no experience interviewing people, but we have a lot of experience sitting around a table, having dinner, talking, having conversations, um, about cool things and Jesus and, uh, deeper things than just surface talk. So that's kind of the format that we walked into this thinking would, would be best for us. And, and so we've tried to try to do it that way. Um, the, the thing we've learned, I think is that it's okay to not be perfect. And, and I think that, that we make sure that, look, we're just trying to have a conversation and, and hope that it becomes off organic and maybe, uh, for every awesome professional podcast there is, maybe people also have some interest in some less professional, more organic conversations. Um, so I think that was kind of our initial, uh, we'd like to clean it up a little bit and, and for it to be a little smoother and, uh, flow a little bit better. But, um, so I, I guess that's that's how I'd say that you know we've learned and and uh, and and kind of trying to make sure that we kind of flow into maybe going forward of, of three or four guests that kind of fit into a um, a topic maybe you know I mean I guess um, and and try to move into a little bit of a different uh, where we have um, a reason kind of behind who we're interviewing for three or four episodes yeah but it's been really fun to do with her. And, and, uh, like I said, we're not pros, but, uh, it's been, it's been a good learning experience. It's been, I think it's been a good ministry. Honestly, I think when people get a chance to learn that Nolan Arenado loves Jesus and, and Ben Roethlisberger was, loves Jesus and, and, and they're only because they have this big name and cachet. Um, but we also have guys that don't have name and cachet that have awesome stories and knowledge and, and can pass along amazing content um, if you give them a chance, you know, so. Yeah. So what ultimately, I guess, is your, you know, when people listen to the podcast, what is your hope, you know, that they'll, that they'll come away from when they listen to any given episode? Well, I think it depends on the episode. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like that we're trying to 
every episode I've walked away taking something different for me, just for me, listening to these people. Um, some of them I know better than others. So some of them I've heard their story and I've, I've kind of know like Lance and, and Adam Wainwright, Lance Berkman, Adam Wainwright. I know their story. I've been, I've, I'm close to them. I know most of the stuff that they talked about I've, because I've experienced it, but there's been other people that I don't know hardly at all. I don't know Ben Roethlisberger at all very well. Yeah. But after I had a conversation with him and Matt Hasselbeck, I feel like we're friends now. We had he and his wife on and Leslie and I, I felt like we, we had a lot of the similar uh, beliefs and, and place in our life with kids. And, and uh, so I, I feel like that everybody is different and we're trying to hear their story. And I think, you know, some of them have talked about things they're doing or things they've learned. Um, that have been very helpful to me and a lot of them a lot of their faith is inspiring and a lot of their discipline and what they do to grow their faith and uh, and and you know I, i've learned a lot just sitting listening so i hope that um the listener is also learning different things in different episodes i think the over overarching theme and what we're hoping people hear is is the message of jesus christ and I think that's our, that's our overarching theme is we want people to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and in that, you'll hear different people's stories and, and ways they handle adversity and different things that have been helpful to them. But I guess, you know, when, when push comes to shove, we hope in every episode people hear, hear the message of hope from Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. And you talked about how you just try to have conversations with people. I mean, I went to school for journalism and before I became a teacher, I was a sports journalist and I even taught high school journalism. And that's all that I would tell my kids to do. I'd be like, Hey, you know, when you interview somebody, you're just trying to have a conversation. Cause like you said, somebody might say something that you want to follow up on that. And I, and I have, you know, I had so many students that would want to show up to interviews with just a notepad and a list of questions and they didn't want to deviate from that list. And I'd say, Hey, if they say something that you didn't know about, you've got to pry on that. So I think you, you, you call yourself an amateur. It sounds like you're doing, doing something right at least. So well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully it's getting better. That's our goal. Yeah. Keep the more that you can just have a natural conversation with somebody, I think those are the best interviews. So, um, you know, if you're good at conversation, then you can be a good interviewer. That's pretty much all it takes. So, uh, what's been the most rewarding thing for you just in retirement, I guess, aside from maybe the podcast, but just, you know, you're not playing baseball anymore and you're not, you know, doing the daily grind of having to travel and all that. So what's been the most rewarding thing for you as a person? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that jumps out most is the time of kids and family and, and home and activities and you're there. And, um, but I think there's also another side, um, that athletes, struggle with of the purpose element of it where you have a schedule you have purpose of you know this is my job Uh, I think as men um, we all have this feeling of work and God placed that in us that we're supposed to work and you feel like all of a sudden you know at least for me um, now what do I do and so um, when we were living in Florida and and trying to figure out what was going to happen next in our family. And I just, you know, and talking to my wife, like I need a job, I need to do something. I need to, um, I need to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm doing something that's worth worthwhile. And 
I, while I'm not demeaning being a husband and a father, but I think there's, you know, there's a work element to, to how I'm wired. I don't play golf. I don't really do, I don't have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I told her, I look, you know, Josh gave me an opportunity to come be the volunteer coach and we moved back to Oklahoma and all of our families out here. And, and so that's been great. We've been here and um, having a job and going to work and helping young players sort of realize their dreams and, and trying to have an impact on, on them. We started a Bible study for the college kids, um, started with some baseball players, invited some other sports, told them to invite friends. And, you know, next thing you know, you've got 50 kids at your house on Sunday nights yeah. uh, diving into the Bible. Um, so that's been really cool. That's been really um, encouraging. Uh, it's been fulfilling. Um, Leslie is in, she's getting her biblical studies degree, trying to get a master's and in, in are going to get a master's in theology. Um, so teaching Bible study to college kids has been great for her yeah. me as well. Um, so, um, the last, I'd say up until COVID obviously, and all this has changed things a little bit, but, um, the last year has been, it's been good. It's been, um, fulfilling, like I said, and, and having a job and being around my kids. It's a job where I have some flexibility time wise. And, um, but it's been, it's been, uh, it's been better. It's been good. It's, it's, it's still difficult as a competitive athlete you, I guess you you always see yourself kind of still in there and and it's hard uh when it stops because really for an athlete you know since I was 10 years old I've been competing at a kind of a higher level uh with with baseball and and then all of a sudden it stops you know 20 you know 30 years later it's it's you're not you know, I play intramural basketball now. Like I, I play basketball, you know, three times a week to get my competitive, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you have this competitive, I guess, drive that is hard to just shut off. Yeah. And so that, that part of it's been a little bit challenging, but um, like I said, being at home with the kids and, and having an impact on hopefully on these college players and, and on my own kids yeah. um, is, has been great. Yeah, you kind of hit on it about identity. And we've seen some, some unfortunately extreme examples of this where particularly successful athletes, once their career is over, it's not long after their career is over that we see them getting into trouble. And, uh, you know, for, I think for a lot of athletes, and maybe not even just athletes, but people that do something for a long time, when they're retired from that profession, you know, and that profession had become their identity, it becomes hard to kind of adjust away from that. You know, in your experience talking with athletes, is that something that, that athletes struggle with as much as it seems from the outside? And, you know, for you, how have you maybe balanced that and dealt with it? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but, you know, how have you balanced that too, just personally? Yeah, I mean, I think um, – so I think that there's, a, there's like a healthy passion for baseball, like a healthy passion for sport or job or whatever. I mean, I definitely think that there's a fine line, you know, where it becomes your identity like you talked about that's not healthy. But I think there is, you know, a healthy, like, I love baseball. I love watching it. I love playing it. Um, I love the competitive element of it. So I think there's an adjustment to every athlete, especially if you love your sport. I mean, I think that there's, there's that percentage of athletes that play something because they're good at it, they can make money at it, and they can retire and move on quickly to something else that they actually have passion for. Yeah. Um, I think for somebody that has passion for baseball and, and loved playing it and practicing it, and looked forward to every season of it. Um, it. It's difficult to just stop and and to try to figure out where you're going to uh, channel that excitement and uh, passion. Um, 
in a healthy way. I mean, look, Jesus is, it should be first and he should be where we gain all of our, um, our, our peace and joy. Um, but I think there's also a working element to it that of, of having, um, like I said earlier, like having purpose, you know, and having a place to go that you get to work and you get to, um, witness through work. And, and I think that sometimes athletes in that transition, um, turn to things that are unhealthy yeah. and, and try to cover or smother, um, maybe some of that difficult emotional change in your life. And I haven't done it perfect. Um, but I can tell you that, that, um, you know, that, that there is, there is a way to do it. That's positive And, um, and I feel like I'm in a better place, but I, I think there is a challenge of trying to figure out what's next for athletes and yeah. other people that, that, that do something for a long time, like you talked about. Yeah, absolutely. So the final question I always love to ask my guests. So my show is called in no hurry. And the idea is basically, you know, we, we live pretty crazy lives and maybe not so much in 2020 whenever it has slowed down a little bit, but uh, a lot of us have, have a hard time slowing down and, and not being in such a hurry. So you mentioned you don't play golf. That, that's something that I have recently picked up in the last month or so. It's kind of been my new hobby. Um, I've played tennis my whole life and now I'm getting into golf. So, um, but what do you do, I guess, to just kind of relax and whenever you're, whenever you need to slow down in life, what's kind of your go-to rhythms? Well, I would say that I'm terrible at just kind of chilling out. Like I, I'm a doer. Like I like to do stuff and I don't like to sit. Yeah. Um, and I think that my personality probably struggles with prayer a little bit, just to be quiet and sit and pray and try to feel God's presence. And, and so uh, that's something that, that I am constantly trying to grow and get better at. Um, but I would say, um, you know, spending time with family and, and, um, kind of going on, you know, I actually really enjoy being close to water, whether it's a lake or, yeah. or an ocean or, um, you know, riding jet skis or going out on a boat and just kind of wake surfing and just kind of swimming and, in, in, in a, in water, I would say it's probably something that, that is the most kind of relaxing way for me to, again, I'm not really just kind of hanging out. I like to wake surf and do stuff, but yeah. I feel a, a more of a calming, uh, I guess, uh, feel when, when I'm in the water or doing water sports or, or things like that. But, um, I wish I was better at that. I wish I was. Um, but my sons, uh, the two older boys are into golf right now. So, Maybe, uh, I need some <laughs> lessons. I still have a baseball swing. I, it's not pretty. Yeah. Um, so if I get a couple lessons, maybe I can take golf up and, and, uh, do that with them and, and be able to go out on the golf course. Cause I, I, I love to go out and watch them hit it and drive, drive around on beautiful courses. And, yeah. But when you're not good at it, it's not relaxing. So <laughs> that's, that's what I'm running into right now. When you're throwing your club or, <laughs> or you know, saying, saying, uh, words that you shouldn't say <laughs> why not the most relaxing thing you can do yeah i've been going out just by myself a lot just because i feel like it's relaxing and i didn't i want to get into it a lot and i finally i finally invested into some nice clubs and my dad plays all the time and so i'm 30 years old and i was like i called him up i said dad i'm, I'm finally at the point because i've been saying it for like 10 years i'm like dad I, i'm finally at the point i'm gonna buy some clubs so about a month ago i went and i bought some used clubs but they're pretty good clubs and i played so much that i actually uh like suffered a muscle spasm in my back to where I had to go to the chiropractor 
and like get it checked out. And so it was hurting for like a, yeah, it was, it was like, I never got hurt ever playing any sports. I played tennis my whole life, played baseball, never got hurt. And so I went out and I was like, I just don't have the right form or the you know fundamentals. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I golf left-handed, but whenever I play tennis, I'm right-handed. So I was playing tennis uh, recently, went to hit a backhand and it was the same swing as my golf swing. And I could feel that pain all over my right side. And it just was like, it felt like I had like pulled an oblique or something. So I went to the chiropractor. He was like, Hey, you've actually got several ribs that moved out of place. And I was like, that's not good. So playing yeah. too much. There's, there is such a thing as too much golf. If you've never played very much golf before. So if you do get into golf, I caution you or anybody listening that because yeah. if you don't know the fundamentals, it's easy to hurt yourself. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, I, I, it's a frustrating deal because the ball's just sitting there. And yeah. so I've, I've spent my whole life hitting balls that are moving really fast. And so when I can't square it up off of a tee sitting right there, uh, it incites some frustration in me that I'm, I'm pretty sure is not too healthy. You're like, I can hit a baseball 400 feet, yeah. but I can't hit this golf ball straight. No. no. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. So if people want to connect with you, what's, what's the best way? I know you're, you're on social media. You're not, you know, the most active person on social media, but you are on social media. So if people want to follow you or connect with yeah. you in your podcast, where can they find you? Matt Holiday OSU, I think is my Instagram. Um, and my I, think it, I think it's, I think it's your Twitter too. If, I, if I'm, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I'm not on there like posting my opinion about a lot of things, but I retweet stuff and I put the podcast stuff on there and, um, but yeah, I'm not a big social media guy, but you know, I like, you know, Instagram pictures and stuff and they can find, you know, like the podcast guests. We put a little snippet and a link to, to the, to the podcast, but um, yeah. So if, if you want to check that out, it'd be cool. All right. Well, Hey Matt, this was awesome, man. Thanks for joining. And it was awesome to talk to you and kind of take a trip down memory lane as just as a Cardinals fan, kind of reliving 2011 through the players eyes. Obviously I've watched all the, all the world series films and all that, but it's nice to hear the players perspective of it as well. So, and awesome, like just awesome job with the podcast. I think it's a, it's a, it's a great ministry that you guys are doing. And I, I know that it is reaching a lot of people, um, you know, sports spectrum. I've been fortunate just to be associated with them in a small way and you know your podcast is obviously part of their 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 reach as well so um anybody that's listening to this i hope they'll go check out that podcast and subscribe to that as well but yeah matt thanks for joining and this yeah, awesome. man. no problem thanks for having me on i really appreciate it well that was an awesome conversation with matt holiday i hope you guys enjoyed that Really enjoyed kind of going down memory lane with some of his favorite memories of his career, especially the 2011 World Series run. But I also really appreciated how open he was about his illness that he dealt with later on in his career and just kind of the struggles that he went through through all that. It's not something that he's talked about very often. So super grateful that he was willing and able to talk about that here on the show today. But hope you guys enjoyed that. Be sure to check out his podcast. Seriously, if you're a sports fan, for sure check that out because they've got some really awesome conversations with some pretty notable sports figures who are on there talking about their faith also be sure to give matt a follow on social media i will put his links in the show notes as well make sure that you let him know you enjoyed hearing him on the show this week also if you're not already following me i would love to connect with you on social media you can find me at cole claiborne on twitter and on instagram and I'd love to connect with you there. If you're a regular listener or if you're just tuning in for the first time, I'd love to hear what you thought of the show and just would love to connect with you. So be sure to give me a follow and let me know that you came over from the podcast. 
You're also invited to subscribe to my weekly newsletter. I send one out every Monday along with my podcast episode. And I just try to fill your inbox with some scriptural truth and some encouragement to start your day. And occasionally we'll do some giveaways. Like today, we are giving away a Starbucks gift card to one of my subscribers. So if you're into free stuff and you're into encouraging words in your inbox, feel free to sign up. There's a link in the show notes as well. But as always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this show, feel free to drop a review on Apple Podcasts that really helps other people find the show and know that this is one that they should listen to. But seriously, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We will be back again next Monday. In the meantime, I hope you guys have a great week. I hope you find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we will see you next week.